is Pastor Chris, and you're about to listen in on a teaching from Apex, our student ministry at BMHA. At Apex, we prioritize biblical teachings with practical applications for the everyday life of a 6th to 12th grade student. Thank you for listening in on this Apex teaching, and I pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Welcome to Apex students tonight. I've been racking my brain for the past like week or two trying to think of the very first funeral that I went to. And um, I, I'm still not really sure, but I have a guess and I because I have a distinct memory uh, of us burying something. And I think that it was a pet rabbit. Um, and so we had this pet rabbit. I didn't really care about the rabbit. Like, the rabbit died, but it wasn't like a big deal to me because we had the rabbit for like two days. Um, apparently, the trauma of, you know, transporting a rabbit in a cardboard box and then giving it to a 10-year-old child was enough to kill this rabbit. Um, so it died so quickly after I got it for Christmas or Easter or something. I don't know. And so I remember walking up the hill behind my house to a uh, to this, you know, just a little clearing, and my dad had dug a hole, and we he had like the rabbit was in like a brown paper bag, and <laughs> put it in the hole, and, and yeah, it's like really dark when I'm like looking back at it, um, especially like you know putting dirt on top of this dead rabbit. That was the only part that I was like, I don't know. I'm like ten. I don't know if that's for me yet. You know, I don't know if I should be experiencing that. Um, you know, it was a, it was an ordeal, but you know, I barely remember it. Like I said, and I guess technically that was my first funeral, so to speak. Um, I also, now this is going to sound weird, but that was my first funeral. I do have a favorite funeral that I was ever at and let me bear with me. Cause I know that sounds weird. Um, my step great grandmother affectionately known as grandma with the red hair. <laughs> that is a true story that we referred to. We had grandma short and grandma with the red hair. Um, and she, um, I, my brothers and I weren't really close with her, but my mom obviously was her grandmother. So, um, she was close and all of her, she has uh, four brothers and sisters. And so there's a lot of my family that were really close to this woman. Um, so I went to the funeral in support of them. Uh, and it was a really, really cool experience because it wasn't a funeral home. There wasn't an open casket or anything like that. We, she was actually already buried, but we went to the burial site. We went to her grave site and we had this little pop-up tent and we kind of just stood around this grave site and the pastor went up and he did his thing. And, um, then this family, he opened the floor and the family just started to share stories about grandma with the red hair, um, or just grandma to them. But they were telling these stories and they all had something really special that they remembered about grandma with the red hair. And I thought that was so cool because we're at a funeral, but as these people are reliving these precious times to them, there's smiles on their faces. You know, and that was a weird thing to see because all the funerals I'd ever been to, you know, people are, are bawling their eyes out. It's like a really, really emotional experience. But at this one, people are sm- t- smiling and telling really cool stories about grandma with the red hair. And at that funeral, I learned something about funerals. And this wasn't too long ago, but I learned that funerals are not for the deceased. Uh, grandma with the red hair was a Christian, so she was in heaven. Uh, probably not even watching the funeral, to be honest. She's probably hanging out with Jesus. I don't mean to crush your hopes and dreams, but your loved ones, if they're in heaven, I don't know if they have time to like watch you, but she was probably hanging out with Jesus. So my point is, she wasn't at the funeral. The funeral was not for her. The funeral is for the living. 
and it's a we memorialize the dead as a uh, a coping mechanism. We use it to bring closure. We have an you know we have a huge birthday. You know everyone comes to the hospital. We make a big deal out of a birth, and then everyone comes to the funeral home. We make a big deal. It's the end of something special. It's a big deal, and it brings closure to us. Again, not for them, but to the living, the people around us. And um, the reason that we're talking about funerals, we have this nice little uh, urn set up here. The reason that I'm preaching for with a suit and tie for the first time in my life is because the topic for tonight is forgiveness. And I'd like to submit to you that forgiveness is a lot like a funeral. Forgiveness is a lot like a funeral. And there are certainly people in here that are uh, holding some grudges, holding some, you know, distaste for the people around you. And tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to put to rest some of the unforgiveness in your life. Um, to bring closure to some situations, some wounds that are open and, and festering, and, and find the forgiveness brings freedom. And you can find that freedom through your forgiveness. So through this series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks, Relentless Love, um, we've been talking about Hosea and Gomer. And week one, we talked about this, the story of Hosea and Gomer, Gomer from a theological perspective. And we said Hosea represents Jesus, and Gomer represents us running away from Jesus, and yet Jesus comes to us, he pursues us. And we said even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. And week two, we talked about this from Gomer's perspective, and we said we were talking about battling insecurities. This was two weeks ago, and uh, we, we said your story will give God glory. Your story will glorify God. He'll use it in that way. And the big idea that I want to um, get across tonight, if you remember only one thing tonight, is that you cannot truly live until you truly or fully forgive. You cannot truly live until you fully forgive. We've all seen the pain of unforgiveness in our past, um, whether, it, whether you're struggling with forgiving someone or someone is withholding forgiveness from you, you've probably experienced the pain that unforgiveness brings. And God doesn't want us to live there. He doesn't want us to live in that pain, which is why he gives us a prescription in the Bible for forgiveness. He's very, very for forgiveness. And that's because unforgiveness causes pain. As I mentioned before, the whole Bible kind of lines up together in a really, really beautiful way. Um, so even though we're talking about Hosea and Gomer, which is a story, uh, Hosea is the book in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about some principles in the New Testament from the book of Ephesians um, that have the same principles of forgiveness. So this is Ephesians 4, 25 through 32 that we'll be going through tonight. We're kind of going to go through it progressively. Um, we spent a whole series on the book of Ephesians this past summer, but if you're not familiar at all with this book or the background, Ephesians is a letter from the Apostle Paul, who is a really godly man living for Jesus. He was started a lot of the early church. And he wrote this letter to the church in a city called Ephesus. And the people were the Ephesians, which is why we get named the book Ephesians. So this is Paul talking to the Ephesian church about forgiveness. That's really uh, interesting. And we see three you know, ideas about forgiveness that are going to shape our time here tonight. And the first idea I want to give you is about forgiveness is that you need to admit the pain. Let's pray. Jesus. I pray that you help us uh, get this tonight. God, I pray not a word that comes out of my mouth is from me, but that you have your hands all over everything we're doing tonight. God, I pray that um, that our hearts are stirred, our hearts are moved to live as your word tells us to. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. The first idea is admit the pain. Ephesians four twenty five through 27 says this. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For 
For we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Paul is saying, be honest with yourself. Be honest with the people around you. If you are hurt, say something. It's not healthy to keep that inside. Admit the pain. And Hosea's wife left him, and that was obviously a very painful uh, situation. He, he knew that it was wrong. He knew that it was hurt. And most of us can handle um, this admit the pain. This step kind of makes sense um, that we need to admit the pain. And I can't tell you how many times Sam uh, has done something to hurt my feelings, and but she had no idea that she did and vice versa as well. I was getting there, but I realized it was taking too long. Um, how many times Sam has hurt my feelings and she had no clue that she had hurt my feelings. Cause that is a rough position to, to like be in, you know, you've probably been there as well. Um, because I'm like stewing in my negative feelings. Like what is wrong with her? And she's like on Twitter. And I'm like, does she not realize that I'm hurt on the inside? And there's, <laughs> there's nothing more frustrating than giving someone the silent treatment and them not knowing. Oh my goodness. We're like in the car or like laying in bed. Sometimes I carry it all the way to nighttime and I'm laying in bed. I'm like, mm, she can't believe she's, and just she'll be, she'll like say like, okay, good night. I'm like, yeah, good night. I like pretend everything's fine. How is she supposed to know? Like if she doesn't know immediately, how is she ever supposed to know? It doesn't make sense, but we all feel it. Our feelings are not perfect. Uh, neither are yours. But for some reason, you know, whether it be culture or, you know, media, whatever it is, our natural incl- inclination is that we want people to know when they've hurt our feelings. <laughs> we want people to know that they've hurt us. We want, to, we want them to see it as their responsibility to initiate an apology. You hurt my feelings. I'm going to wait. Now you come apologize. And I can tell you where they, we did not get that, and that's because the Bible says the opposite. <laughs> the opposite is actually true here. Um, in Matthew 18, I'm not going to go through the scripture, but mark this down. Matthew 18, 15 through 20, um, talks about how the Bible says it's, it's the responsibility of the hurt to speak up. Matthew 18, 15 through 20 talks about how um, we resolve conflict between Christians. And please read that. It's super, super good. But it outlines these steps that we take to bring reconciliation to resolving conflicts. And um, in summary, every single one of those steps involves the person that was hurt going to the person that hurt them. That's the way the Bible sets it up. Not the way that we want it to be, which is they need to come to me with this neck action. They need to come to me, but the Bible says quite the opposite. It is your responsibility to go to them. And at that point, the ball is in their court. Hopefully they apologize, but, but you've done it biblically. Whenever you, the person that is hurt, go to the person that hurt you. When you were hurt, you have to admit the pain because you cannot truly live until you fully forgive. So you have to admit the pain. It can also be tricky to admit the pain to the right person sometimes. Um, the, the point here doesn't mean that you need to tell someone, like admit to someone the pain. The Bible says to go to the person that hurt you, the person that caused the pain. That is a vital detail. Uh, if you go to a friend and talk about someone that hurt you, if you go to your mom and talk about uh, the person that hurt you, or if you go to anyone other than God or the person that hurt you, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. You're not doing it biblically. And it is just so much easier to go to other people, to 
gain a following. You know, you want to go to another person and you shape the situation in such a way that they are on your side. That feels so good and it's so much easier than the way the Bible tells us to do it, which is the harder path, the biblical path, is for the person that's hurt to go to the person that hurt them. And just like how, you know, obeying the Bible always does, it's going to change your life if you live this way. It's going to change, you're going to find so much less conflict, so much less hurt feelings in your life if you embrace this idea of forgiveness, embrace this idea of you being the hurt one going to the person that hurt you. Here's the thing, uh, that works when someone hurts your feelings, um, But in some of you are in a situation where you're not really in a position to go to the person, whether it's something like really, really serious, something like that, whether you've been abused or taken advantage of or betrayed in like a huge, huge way, or even some less serious things um, that have been done to you by someone who doesn't care, someone who's completely unrepentant and and they hurt you and they intended on hurting you. Now that's a different situation. And, um, I'm going to say I don't have all the answers, but this is how I see it. From my experience in the Bible, this is how I see it. Uh, When someone hurts you, you biblically have to forgive them. You can forgive them for two different reasons. One, you can forgive them because they apologize. Two, you can forgive them because they don't realize they have to apologize. So you can either forgive them because they, they embrace the idea of forgiveness and they extend forgiveness, or... You forgive them because they don't understand how important forgiveness is. They don't understand what Jesus has done to them or for them. And he does, they don't understand why forgiveness is important. And you can forgive them in that moment. So let's say somebody hurts you in some way, big or small, and you approach them, explain why you're hurt. Um, if they apologize because they're sorry, you're done. <laughs> You've done it. But if they don't apologize, they say you're a baby, you got to get over it, they intended to hurt you, something they just don't care, then you still have to forgive them just like Jesus forgave you before you were sorry. <laughs> just because Jesus went to the cross before you had a chance to apologize, before you even had a chance to sin against him, he forgave you before you said sorry. So we need to extend that to people who don't realize it. We need to extend that same forgiveness. And maybe, just maybe you can show people Jesus by forgiving them before they say sorry. Maybe that's the only Jesus they'll ever see is that one person, you know, I called him a bunch of names that, you know, you're not allowed to say in front of adults. And, and they just said, I forgive you. And that just blows my mind. What, what is that about that? Maybe they approach you. Maybe it's explained later. But the point is they see Jesus. They see something weird when you forgive them before they say sorry. Either way, forgiveness is so important. God prescribes it. You got to do it. Either way, when you don't forgive, you've got a bigger problem on your hands. Um, Unforgiveness is a really, really bigger deal. Uh, When you don't forgive, you're going to have to acknowledge the problem. That's the second thought about forgiveness that we see in Ephesians. Acknowledge the problem. Uh, You cannot truly live until you fully forgive. And you've got a huge problem on your hands if you don't fully forgive. Ephesians 4, 30 and 31 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. This is the crux here. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. When you hold on to this pain, you are making a much bigger problem. You are making room in your life 
for a bigger problem. Back when it said to give the devil a foothold, I don't know what exactly that means. I've heard it described a number of different ways, whether it's you know cl- rock climbing and you uh, find a rock to put your foot on, or uh, uh, my favorite is you know opening a door and just enough room to get a foot in the door. You know that's that's how I've described a foothold. Um, and, and this foothold verse is used all the time for all kinds of things that it's not talking about. (laughs) But Paul here is saying, don't give the devil a foothold by harboring unforgiveness. Don't let the devil put a foot in your door by harboring unforgiveness because you're a risk for bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You risk bitterness, bitterness, which is, um, which scripture says is not cool, obviously, that the person um, is not suffering because of the bitterness that you're holding. If you're holding unforgiveness and you're like stewing here, like I just, you know, I consider uh, bitterness like spoiled, you know, like rotten. Uh, I've gotten so angry. I've held on to this so long that it's spoiled. And, um, that person is not suffering from the bitterness that you're holding on to. I've heard it said that holding a grudge is like drinking a poison and expecting someone else to die. You're expecting the person that hurt you to be harmed, but that's not how it works. And I've also heard, you know, bitterness is like, uh, you know, finding a roadkill along the road and like putting it in your car. You're like, I'm going to take this with me everywhere. You know, like the bitterness is rotten. It's spoiled. It's gross. You don't want to carry that around with you. You also have to deal with this possibility of the need for revenge. And that's just a nasty place to be. Um, This wrath that happens when anger becomes vindictive. When you won't be able to let go of this anger until you get even, that is a dangerous place to be. Unhealthy, unhealthy. So um, we talked about... Going to the person that hurt you and not other people. Going on to the, uh, the person, directly to the person that hurt you. But when you hold on to unf- unforgiveness, you are exponentially increasing your chance of gossip. I don't know why I can't talk tonight. I feel like a broken record. Like every once in a while, I like skip a beat, so just stick with me. Um, every time you hold on to bitterness, you are exponentially increasing your chance of falling victim to gossip. <laughs> I'm going to get it out. When you hold on to unforgiveness, you are exponentially increasing your chance of gossip. There's a huge chance that that's going to spill out of you. You're eventually, when you're holding on to this bitterness, this wrath and rage against somebody who did something to you, you're eventually going to let it spill out to somebody else who has no business hearing about it. You're eventually going to let that slip, and, and it's just you can't put yourself in that position. And let me take this time to say um, that you have the right to be hurt, that your feelings are valid. I'm not trying to say that, um, that you, your feelings aren't important. That's, that's, your feelings are valid, but only for a moment. That's kind of how I feel, how I think feelings work. You know, your feelings of hurt, you have the right to be hurt, uh, but you can't hang on to that. Biblically, you can't hang on to that, or you are giving the devil a foothold. The Bible tells us how to react to these feelings. And when we stray from those instructions, that's when it's not okay. That's when we're living outside of the, of the biblical plan. Um, unforgiveness will only bring pain, and it will only bring pain to you. You guys know uh, to stay away from WebMD, right? Do you know about WebMD? Uh, I'm assuming WebMD was was helpful to someone somewhere at some point, but uh, it is, in my experience, <laughs> more harmful than helpful. Uh, and if you don't know anything about WebMD, this is the website that you go to when you're sick, and you enter in your symptoms, and then it tells you what kind of cancer you have. That's how WebMD works, um, if you weren't sure. 
you either are going to be fine in, in one or two days, or you will be dead in one or two days. That is what WebMD is here to tell you. Um, and, and specifically, WebMD is really good about making people work worry about cancer. It's really, really good at that. And, you know, we have a good reason to be afraid of cancer because our human race has not figured out how to solve this disease or, or prevent this, this terrible thing from happening. I bet every person in here has been affected in some way, at some level, by cancer, whether it's someone in your family, someone you know who is fighting or has beaten or uh, is, has lost the fight to cancer. It's, it's touched so many people's lives. And one of the things that makes cancer so deadly and dangerous is that it's under the radar so much under the radar. Uh, often people don't know that they have it until it's too late. They don't either, maybe they don't act on the symptoms or actually some types of cancer uh, can go a full six months without any visible symptoms at all. And that's not counting the time where you have the symptoms, but you ignore them because you expect them to go away, which for some people is years and years. But there are some cancers that will show no symptoms at all for six months. This disease will slowly kill people from the inside out. And I'm not trying to scare you, but I want you to know that how similar cancer is to unforgiveness. When you keep this unforgiveness, it's a silent assassin, and it works in the background, and it works slowly, and it's a big deal. It takes over your emotions without you realizing it. That's what unfor- unforgiveness has done to me. It's you know made me do things and act a certain way that I'm like, ooh, I don't like that person. And I don't even know where that came from. I can't even trace it back to the unforgiveness. It's dangerous. It's destructive. And that's why God calls us to forgive. That's why God finds it so important for us to prioritize forgiveness. We have a little a, a band coming up here to do some reckless love, which is the uh, the, the the title theme of this series is, is this song reckless love. This is the third, the third idea about forgiveness that we see in Ephesians. He calls us to forgive so you can live, forgive so you can live. That's so important. This, this whole idea of, of life being found and for you cannot truly live until you fully forgive. Forgive so you can live. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. That's such such a big theological idea put in that one tiny little verse. There is relief and release. Forgiveness is releasing someone from the debt that you think that they owe you. And it doesn't mean they didn't hurt you. It doesn't mean that they didn't sin or do something wrong. It just means you're not going to let what they did to you hurt you anymore. You're going to put an end to the destruction they have caused in your life. People actually see holding a grudge as like a, sh- a sign of strength. And, you know, like, I'm stubborn, I'm tough, I humph, do what I want. Um, but I think it, it takes way more strength to accept an apology that was never given accept an apology that that was never actually extended to you. That's that strength. Real strength is understanding that hurt people hurt people. People who are hurt are being hurtful because they've been hurt. That's real strength is understanding that, accepting that, and extending forgiveness even whenever there was no apology made. Holding grudges, holding on to this bitterness, this is petty. It's, It's weak. 
Strength is forgiveness. And, and you guys have probably learned in, in science about the law of conservation of mass. Um, and that means mass cannot be created or destroyed. Matter cannot be created or destroyed. Um, and, and it can be transformed. You know, a log turns into ash when it's on fire. Um, you know, water transforms into ice or steam, that kind of idea. There's also this principle of receiving and releasing. And this is kind of that transformational part. When you, all right, take a deep breath in. Take a deep breath in. Hold it. Now, you have it, you've brought into your lungs some air. And if you hold it there, go ahead and let it out. Because if you hold it there, you're going to pass out. <laughs> if you receive all this air in your lungs and just keep it, you're going to pass out. But you need to let a transformation happen inside you where your lungs change that air from being super oxygen heavy to being super heavy with carbon dioxide. And then you release that air. If you don't, harm happens. This is all over nature. Your heart brings uh, blood into the heart, and it does. It takes oxygen from the blood, and it pumps it out, pumps it back out through your body. Your heart is constantly receiving and releasing. If you receive an entire pizza on a Friday night, you're going to have to release that pizza later. I won't go into detail on what that looks like, but you have an idea of what I'm talking about. Receive, and then you have to release. You just have to. It's a law of nature. Here's why we're going over this. We don't tend to do that with negative emotions. We don't want to do it that way. We want to receive them. We want to hang on to them. We want to let them rot. But when we receive that, when that stuff happens to us, and we, we feel this negative emotion stuff rising in our in our hearts, we got to let it go. There, there's a receiving, and there needs to be a release that happens. When we take in that bad stuff, it gets heavy, it weighs us down, and we need to release it. And I don't mean to oversimplify this process, because the forgiveness process can literally take years until you actually feel it on the inside. I've experienced that firsthand with some big stuff in my life, that forgiveness, it took me years to realize I was unhappy with someone. (laughs) It took me years to realize what was even going on in my heart, and then to forgive that person can take a long time. But this is one of those fake it till you make it kind of moments. When you realize that you've been hurt, you've been wronged by someone, you extend, forget, do the biblical model, go to them, say, you've hurt me, and then you forgive them. you got to let it go. And even if you don't feel it on the inside, fake it. Because I believe if you're trying to forgive someone, and you're living as though you have forgiven them, that you've done your job, and, and you are doing it biblically in the area of forgiveness. That you're okay in those, and you're gonna fake it until you actually feel, until God gives you, you know, He's gonna help you work through those emotions, transform that negative stuff into something better so you can release it. You cannot truly live until you fully forgive. It's important not to forget why forgiveness is a priority to a Christian. Uh, We forgive others because God has forgiven us for our sin. We constantly sin against God. But through Jesus, we have constant forgiveness for our sins. God is constantly forgiving us. And we've already talked about how hurt people hurt people. But the opposite is true. Forgiven people forgive people. That's how we're supposed to live. We've been forgiven by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. We need to live a life of forgiveness to the people around us. We 
is why we are called to forgive. He's forgiven us. We need to forgive other people. And as we've been talking about, not, I mean, he commands us to do it, but also forgiveness, there are benefits for you. When, you. when you harbor unforgiveness, you're only hurting yourself. That's why God commands it, so you can let it go and feel God's peace and joy instead of that ugly, nasty bitterness that you've been hanging on to. Stop taking that poison and expecting it to hurt someone else. You get to unload that weight that we've been carrying around. There is freedom in forgiveness. forgive. I want to give you an opportunity tonight to practice forgiveness. Um, So we're going to have a bit of a funeral tonight, if you will. Um, So Leslie is going to pass around some some pens and pieces of paper to you. Uh, And I want you to take a little bit of time tonight, and we're going to spend some time talking to God. We don't always end this way. often go into small groups. Tonight, I want to zero in on unforgiveness because um, I think it's that important that we go over this. So tonight, we're going to take some time, and I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask God where in your life you are harboring unforgiveness. Where in your life are you hanging on to that stuff? Because it's not healthy. And I believe that if you seek him and you ask God to reveal that stuff, he's going to talk to you. He's going to clear that up. He's going to say, this is what's in your heart, and it can't stay there. Maybe there's a friend that did something little to hurt you. And you're still carrying that around with you. Maybe someone did something a long time ago. uh, You're not friends anymore because of what they did. I still, and you still think about it. Every time you see that person, you think about what they did. Or maybe it's a parent. They did something, something big. You know, they messed up a big time. Or something little that you're just hanging on to because you like to. Because they haven't asked for forgiveness yet. Whatever, uh, or maybe it's yourself. <laughs> and maybe I could preach about this all day, but maybe you can't forgive yourself. There's been a bad decision in your past. And you just can't live your live with yourself. You just can't forgive yourself. You can't let go of that stuff. Maybe a series of bad decisions. You're still punishing yourself you did. You just can't seem to forgive yourself. Whatever brand of forgiveness uh, you feel led to give tonight, you can write that down on the piece of paper and it's just between you and God. You're not going to talk to the people around you. And tonight, I believe that we are going to leave some stuff at the altar. We're having a, we're putting to rest. We're having a funeral for unforgiveness. On so many levels, there's going to be forgiveness in this room. So don't miss this great opportunity. We have the chance to release some stuff tonight. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, for your instructions. And this is such a great example of where your instructions come from. You you instruct us to live a certain way because life is better when we do it your way. Life is happier uh, whenever we accept your way of living and when we let go of unforgiveness because it's not from you. prescription for forgiveness, God. And I pray tonight that you are moving in the hearts and minds of these students, God, that you are walking with them, speaking to them about the unforgiveness in their lives. Because I think everybody has something, even if it's little, even if it's from today, there's something that we're harboring, we're holding on to unforgiveness. So God, give us wisdom tonight and discernment to hear your voice as you guide each and every one of us as we write down the forgiveness that we need to put to rest, the unforgiveness we need to put to rest tonight. Father, thank you so much for what you're about to do in this room. 
perfect. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to spend some time talking to God first. So I want you to just sit for a while. Pray. Ask God, what is it in my heart that I'm holding on to that's unforgiveness? What am I holding on to? When you figure that out, I want you to write it on your piece of paper. And uh, after a few minutes, I'm going to give you a cue to move from your seats. And you're going to make a line at this urn. And at this urn, you are going to take your piece of paper. You're going to crumple it. You're not going to fold it. Like a, you're not going to fold it like a nice little invitation or origami. You're going to crumple it. You're going to destroy it. And you're going to put it in this urn. And after you do that, you're going to look this way. And you're going to see five or six adults that care so much for you and care so much about you living your life biblically. So I want you to go to your small group leader. And if you don't see one of your small group leaders, you go to someone of the same gender. And they're going to pray for you. And when, I, when you come up to that person, they're going to say, do you want to get specific? At that time, you have the choice to tell them what you wrote down and say, yes, I need to forgive this friend because they did this thing and I just can't let go of it. Or you can say, no, thanks. And they're going to pray a general prayer of forgiveness for you to help ask you, ask God to help you uh, accept forgiveness in your life. You have, I'm not, there's no pressure either way. There's not one that's better. You have the choice. They're going to say, do you want to get specific? You can say yes and tell them what's on your paper, or you can say no, thanks. Either is perfectly fine. with that leader. I want you to come to me. The leaders are going to be probably right here. Then I want you to come to me over here. And I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to give you one of these. uh, This this is a symbol of a wedding dress. And the reason I'm giving you this is not so you can leave it under your chair, so please don't do that. That makes me so sad. Take two. If it means you're not going to leave them under your chair. And I want you to put this somewhere where you see it. Even if it's just for a little while, just for a couple weeks. But the point is that you see this this wedding dress and you remember this one. And you remember this funeral. You remember what's happened here during this series of Relentless Love. And there's all kinds of ways that God could have spoken to you through this series. Whether the first week he talked to you about his sacrifice, how much he loves you and pursues you even when you're unfaithful. Or maybe it was the second week when you were battling insecurities and he delivered you from some of that. He helped you focus on the author and not the flaws of the creation. Or maybe it's from tonight where you put something big to death and you just feel totally different. I want you to remember that every time you look at this, this little piece of fabric. until you fully forgive. Go ahead and talk to God for a little while. This is Pastor Chris, and I want to thank you for listening into this Apex teaching. You can find more messages from all of our BMHA pastors at bmha.org. I pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Thank you.